Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Thursday, October 14th, 2021. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwenk. I'm Buster Only, working from my home in New York. And today will be better than yesterday. We got really sad news last night about longtime catcher and broadcaster Ray Fossey. Uh, of course, so connected with the Oakland Athletics franchise. Here's the news breaking on ABC7, Larry Beal. Good evening, everybody. Huge loss for the Oakland Athletics family. Longtime player and broadcaster Ray Fossey passed away today. Fossey had been battling cancer for years. That is something that very few people knew. Fossey was a rugged man behind the plate, spent 12 years in the majors, 1967 to 79, a two-time All-Star won two World Series titles with the A's in 73, and that home run is from 1974. Fossey made the transition from player to broadcaster on the air for 35 years on radio and TV, stepped away from the booth in the middle of this past season, revealing he had been battling cancer for 16 years. Ray Fossey was 74 years old. It is a huge loss. Yeah, and I knew Ray Fossey a little bit, uh, you know, chatted with him a little bit, but I didn't know him as well as folks like Mark Mulder, who was on social media Last night, the former Oakland pitcher writing just crushed you here that Ray Fossey passed away, whether it was our pregame interviews five hours before game time, chatting in the clubhouse or on the team flights. He was always genuine, thoughtful and always there to talk about the game. The athletics family will miss you dearly. Um, I did not know him as well as my friend Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle, who, of course, covered the athletics for a lot of years. She wrote last night on Twitter, I'm so sorry to learn that Ray Fossey has died. I learned as much or more baseball from him over 25, 25 years than maybe anyone else in the game. His tremendous insights and his passion for the A's will be so missed. A very sad day for the organization and for Major League Baseball. The Boston Red Sox were at Fenway Park yesterday preparing for the American League Championship Series that starts on Friday in Houston. Here was Alex Cora, the Red Sox manager. Like I said, over 162 games, it's a lot different. The mentality of the players, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that goes on in, on a particular series. You're still trying to get yours, right? You're still trying to get your numbers, although you still want your team to win. Um, but when, when October comes, it's not about hitting 30 or 40. It's about winning games, and, and teams kind of like transformed into something else. And I do believe what we did with the Yankees and the way we approached the, the Rays is, is kind of like a reflection of that. You know, we're not trying to, to put up numbers and win games. We're trying to win games doing the, you know, with a, with a team uh, approach. Today, the Atlanta Braves will await the winner of Game 5 between the Giants and Dodgers. We're going to be talking with Alex Anthopoulos, the general manager of the Braves, coming up about how much uh, this year has meant to folks in the organization, given all the challenges that they had. And we're going to talk about clubhouse culture. And he's also going to tell us how he's going to watch tonight's game. And I think his answer is going to surprise you. This is the first postseason meeting between the Dodgers and Giants. It's going to come down to that one game tonight. It's the fifth winner-take-all postseason game in Major League Baseball history between 100-win teams. The first since the Astros and Dodgers in the 2017 World Series. It's the fifth winner-take-all postseason game in the divisional era since 1969 between teams that had the two top records in Major League Baseball and the first since the Indians and Red Sox met in the 2007 American League Championship Series. Giants manager Gabe Kapler talked about tonight's game. 
I think you can expect the the guys that we normally have in there against quality left-handed starters uh, in our lineup tomorrow. I mean, there's some ordering stuff and some positioning stuff that we always have to work through, but um, I don't anticipate any big surprises there. Kind of know, you know, what we what we tend to do against left-handed starters, and it's going to be pretty similar tomorrow. There's not going to be anything that I don't think is going to surprise anybody. Yeah, they're facing Julio Arias of the Dodgers. Logan Webb starts for the Giants. He spoke to reporters yesterday. We weren't, it, it wasn't like we were down yesterday after the game. It, we knew it was going to come down to game five. You know, no matter what, how each team played each game, we just, just, we just knew it was going to happen. And, you know, we're excited for the opportunity, especially to be at home to play in front of our fans. Here's Dodgers manager Dave Roberts on managing emotions in a game five. I like the way that our guys have been there. So I think the emotions um, that we'll be able to manage, I think it's great. I love our players. And now I think it's just going out there and um, executing a plan offensively, uh, preventing runs from Julio to the guys behind him, um, and doing enough to win a ball game. And uh, it's, it's fun that you know, all that we've gone through, both sides, comes down to one game. He talked about Julio Arias's postseason experience. I don't know if it was necessarily this this year. I think early on in 16 in the postseason, we saw glimpses of um, the big moment and, and um, seeing the pulse. And then obviously at the height of it was was last year and what he did uh, in the NLCS and the, and the World Series. So um, and this year, I think he just continued to uh build on that experience, that confidence, and it's kind of propelled them to this season to, you know, just be an outstanding performer all year for us. Dave Roberts told reporters that Gavin Lux will be in the lineup for the Dodgers one way or another. Kevin Gossman figures to be available in relief for San Francisco. Just a programming heads up, I'll be doing baseball tonight with Doug Glanville and Kevin Connors after the game. And then on Get Up tomorrow morning, following what should be a really tense game between the Dodgers and Giants. Taylor, what do you got? Buster, you can listen to that tense game between the Giants and Dodgers. Tune in at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio for that. And one other thing to note here, we are so excited about our new weekday studio show, NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, tipping off the start of the NBA season with exclusive content debuting on ESPN Tuesday, October 19th at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Alongside Malika, we'll have the full cast of NBA experts and insiders get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today, 3 Eastern, noon Pacific on ESPN and the ESPN app, one app, one tap, and you can listen to the NBA Today wherever you get your podcasts. And I got to say, Malika is a star. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? 
Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. And Sarah, game five tonight. The Dodgers and the Giants. Dave Roberts is right. It's the game that we've all wanted. Uh, and I'm going to ask you about the Giants. I'm going to ask you about the Dodgers. But I need a scouting report on your mom, super fan of the Giants. Did she sleep at all last night? You know, will today be just a completely unproductive day at work for her because she's preoccupied with this huge game five? I do think there is a lot of preoccupation. I texted her last night and asked how she's feeling entering the game. This morning, she answered me and said she is concerned and resigned to victory for the behemoths. So that is to everybody who got to hear her speaking on this podcast a couple of weeks back. Thanks to you. You can oh, you can hear her saying that. I read that text and I hear that in her voice. But, you know, she's still going through her various motions, superstitions, whatever else. She specifically mentioned to me that she tried to park in parking space 24, 35, 42, 44 and 28 this morning. So as we've got Brandon Crawford, Willie Mays, Jackie Robinson in there and (laughs) Willie McCovey, she ended up with 40, which, you know, harkens back to the success of Madison Baumgartner in the postseason for the Giants. So she's feeling good with that decision, but I, I love getting that one. Okay. Let's play it out. Let's go glass half full, glass half empty with her. If the Dodgers should win this game, how will she handle that? What will be her response in the aftermath? I think she's almost more prepared for that. And that's not to say even anything specific about this game. This is just how she approaches fandom. She sort of always expects that result. I think she'll say, well, everybody wanted them to win. Everyone said they were better all year, which has been something she's been talking about a lot. And we've had that conversation about the depth and everything else. But, you know, I think she'll go in, root for Brian Snickers Braves and, you know, hope that that or one of these American League teams whether it's Alex Cora's team or Dusty Baker. There's a lot of great uh, individuals to root for. Nothing against Dave Roberts, but I know she won't root for the Dodgers moving forward. And I think she'll just uh, put all of her energy behind one of those three teams. If the Giants should win, uh, tell me about your, will she even be able to go to sleep tonight? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think if they win, it's almost the more stressful situation because she won't want to celebrate because now there's another series coming up and you don't want to be that team that has 106 or 107 wins and lose to the 88 win team. You don't want to lose to this Braves team that has played really well in October, but was nowhere near as good as either of these NL West teams in the regular season. So I, I sort of expect more stress if the Giants do win, but of course, for her sake and my sake as her daughter and just wanting her to be happy. I do hope she gets to celebrate a little bit if the Giants do win. All right. Tonight's matchup. Why should the Giants be confident about Logan Webb? Well, I think it's because of what he did all season and what he did in that first game that he pitched this postseason. Ten strikeouts and no walks. It feels so long ago at this point. This series has really felt 
like it's taken on a different tenor in every single game. But when he went out there against the Dodgers in that first game, he had 21 swings and misses that he got from the Dodgers, which was tied for the most by any pitcher against the Dodgers since the start of 2020, including the postseason. And that's not something we see very frequently from the Dodgers. So I think the confidence emanates from the fact that he did this once and there's really no reason that he can't go out and do that again. Why should the Dodgers be confident about their starter, Julio Arias? Well, I think it's because they win very frequently when he is on the mound, which is, of course, also true of Logan Webb and the Giants. But specifically against left-handed starters, if you're looking for a weakness in this Giants team, that's probably something you'd focus on. So since the All-Star break, the Giants are 11-11 and against lefty starters compared to 39-12 and in games started by righties. And he's limited righties to just a 605 OPS this season. So when you look at that righty heavy lineup, there's a lot for the Dodgers, I think, to be confident in throwing him out there. And it's interesting because I think Chris Bryant was in that acquisition was an attempt to sort of solve those issues. And he hasn't been great against lefties in his time with the Giants. He's certainly been good. He tied a record having those, uh, I believe it was three hits in the first game in his Giants playoff debut, but he had a one one three seven OPS against lefties with the Cubs. It's 581 with the Giants. Wow. So even though he's definitely been good for them and a great acquisition, no question, he hasn't really addressed that one thing that was sort of the reason they went out and got him. Yeah. That reminds me of Mookie Betts in the postseason last year when we were talking about as yeah. great a player as he was, how he had struggled against left-handed pitching. Give me an X factor for the Giants. Well, I think for the Giants, it's finding a way to get to Camilo Duvall again. I mean, I just come back to that performance with the two innings at the end of the game and how off balance the Dodgers looked against him. So I think it's the X factor is finding a way to set up the pitching. You're, you know, talking about how can Gabe Kapler get from Logan Webb to Doval again, especially with how much of their bullpen they use in game four. I know there's a game off in between, but they did not plan or hope to use eight pitchers in that game. So for me, getting to him, I think he is that X factor for them. X factor for the Dodd. By the way, you mentioned him. I just love that uh, story that Gabe Kapler told when he yes. asked him about going the second inning. He goes, I got it, Poppy. And yes. <laughs> It was amazing. Just so perfect. Those are the players you want on your team. You know, I was actually, I was having a conversation with my best friend who has become more and more of a baseball fan knowing me. And she was talking about all of the discussions that we've heard about starters going out there on short rest with Walker Bueller the other day. And that quote, and how she's been watching baseball a year in the last few years, but it's amazing to hear that motivation from guys. And I love that that was on display. And it's such a funny, like fun story. Speaking of Madison Baumgartner, because that's, that is a Madison Baumgartner exactly. type of confidence for sure. X factor for the Dodgers. You know, I, I kind of go back and forth here on the one hand, the only Dodgers hitter to hit a home run against Logan Webb this year is Chris Taylor. And we've already seen him have those clutch moments for the Dodgers so far this postseason, obviously with how the wild card game went. But I actually go back to a player you mentioned a minute or two ago, and it's I think it's Mookie Betts. I think if Mookie Betts can have a classic Mookie Betts postseason game, making outstanding plays in the outfield, getting some clutch hits, the stuff that we've seen from him, but only in bits and pieces throughout 2021. I think if he can have a game like that, the Dodgers win the game. Yeah, he's the Michael Jordan, uh, Kevin Durant, 
you know, the Tom Brady who puts the team on his shoulders basically and says, hey, I'm going to be a difference maker. That's for sure. You know, the most transcendent talent in this game. All right. You got to take you got to put your mom out of your head. Give me a pick on who's going to win this game. Oh, my gosh. This is so difficult. You know, I I do want to toss in one other note, too, just about these starting pitchers, because this is what has been driving me crazy with trying to make a pick for this game. So both of these pitchers, I kind of alluded to this before, have brought their team to wins in the games that they've pitched this year. So obviously, I don't look a lot at individual wins and losses. I know they matter to pitchers themselves. They don't matter very much to me. But I do look at the record for a pitcher in his starts. So the team record in his starts, the giants are 22 and five. When Logan Webb starts, the Dodgers are 27 and six. When Julio Arias starts, wow. that's including the postseason. Those are both 800 or better win percentages. This is the first postseason winner take all game ever between two starters who made at least 15 starts in the year with winning percentages that high entering the game. So that's why this is so impossible because both of these teams always win in these situations. I think if I'm making a pick, I'm going with the Giants because it feels so tight. And you just, I don't know, I think of home teams. Home teams yep. are 61 and 61 in winner take all games. When we take out the neutral site games from last year, home teams are winning more frequently in this postseason, but not at an absurd rate. There were a couple of home team losses over the last few days, but that that's kind of the additional X factor to me just in the game overall. So I, I tend toward the Giants. I'm with you, but in keeping with, uh, you know, the, the superstition theme, you know, I, I said on the podcast, my son is very relieved that I haven't picked the Braves in any series because all my picks are wrong. I had the Rays and Brewers being my pick. So my instinct is this day has gone on and I've processed some information and listen to you. I'm, I'm leaning toward Giants, which means the Dodgers are probably going to win. <laughs> All right. We're going to be talking with Alex Anthopoulos, the head of baseball ops for the Braves, coming up about his preparation for this series. That'll start on Saturday. Uh, what do you got on the Braves? Well, you know, we were talking about X factors and I just want to throw another individual out there. Austin Riley, I don't think has gotten enough credit for this outstanding season that he had. I mean, I've been saying since about the middle of the season that I expect and would love to see him finish even ahead of Freddie Freeman in the MVP voting, just in terms of where you see the Braves shaping out. Freddie Freeman is outstanding. We saw what he did winning them that game against Josh Hader. Nothing against him. But I really think that Austin Riley deserves a ton of credit for the way that he really improved his eye at the plate over the last two years. So we all remember when he came up in 2019, he was crushing the ball. He was really, really good. For two to three weeks, he got a little bit figured out. He ended up having that knee injury, and we definitely saw some regression. And, of course, that's normal with a rookie. They figure out what your weakness is. His weakness was breaking pitches. So he hit 202 against breaking pitches in 2019. It got a little bit better last year. This year, 307 against breaking pitches. So he's wow. really eliminated that weakness and he struck out a lot less. He's still above league average in strikeout rate at 25%, but he struck out 36% of the time in 2019. And I really think this year for him after 2020 was not as much of an improvement as I think he would have wanted it to be. I think this was the year where he was either going to be that great prospect who didn't quite work out 
or find a way to be a consistent everyday player on the team. And he did the latter. And I, I've just been so impressed with him and the at-bats he's taken all year and all postseason. Sarah, as we were talking, I just got an email dropped in from editors at uh, ESPN.com asking for my LCS picks. I, and I feel like I, I just have no heart to even turn them in because my picks have been so bad. Uh, you know, there's an extra pressure now. To maybe I get one right. What do you think? <laughs> I believe in you. You know, I've been feeling the same way. I make picks with uh, one of my friends at work, Jason Bernard. He does a lot of work on StatCast and we, we list them all out. And every single thing we've agreed on so far this postseason, the opposite has happened. Right. We both picked the Yankees, the Red Sox one. We both picked the uh, we both picked the Brewers, the Braves one, so on and so forth. So uh, we'll see. We did split on the Dodgers and Giants. So we'll see what happens there. I might have to pretend I never saw this email. All right, Sarah, <laughs> thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, Buzzdar. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash buster just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash buster terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed alex anthopoulos is the general manager and president of baseball operations for the atlanta braves who will be part of the national league championship series when they start on saturday but alex before that uh, of course we have to wait and see what happens in game five between the dodgers and the giants tell me about how you will watch this game tonight how you'll uh, ingest this game so well there's a few components one uh, both of the gms i'm they're my two great friends in the game so you know, it's cool that we were all working together a few years ago and we're the last three NL teams standing. But um, so, you know, it's tough from that 
standpoint, but they're both really good. They're both great clubs. So my, my view of it is I hope it's a really late night. I hope they go 20 innings. I hope the bullpens <laughs> get crushed and guys are exhausted and there's only one day off for them. <laughs> How will you, I mean, literally, where will you watch the game and will you be sitting there with a notepad or are you going to be watching with other people and, and uh, you know, sort of taking mental notes as you go? Tell me about that. No, you know what? <clears throat> we have a group of people that do all the advance and the prep and all that kind of stuff. So I, you know, we have a bunch of just things I have to get done. Just, you know, having these two days off has been nice you know, before we know who we're, we're going to play. So there's just a bunch of things I need to get done um, in the office and so on. And obviously, you know, we're prepared for both clubs. We just don't know who we're playing yet. But, you know, there's a lot that can happen, obviously we may have to get on a plane tomorrow and then we have to decide who's going to fly with us and families and all that kind of stuff. Or we might be having a game on Saturday. So, um, I don't know, you know, I, I, I might have a late night at the office tonight, just getting some things done, but my wife really likes to watch playoff games. So, um, even when we were back in Toronto together and we were in the playoffs, something that we would do together when the kids would go to bed, we'd watch the games and I'd end up falling asleep on the, on the couch and she, she would still watch. So, she just asked me this morning, today, what time do you think you're going to get back? I want to, I want to watch the game together. So um, I'll watch as long as I can, but I'm not going to necessarily, um, you know, be dialed in at the first inning. I might just tune in in the fourth or the fifth. Will you, during the course of the game, are you just locked in? If you're sitting there with her, it would be locked, locked in with her. Would you be, you know, potentially uh, trading text messages with uh, Brian Snitker or some folks on your staff? No, I, you know what, like, you know, obviously the playoff games, it's part of your advanced process. You have a bunch of work from during the season, but you know, things change in the playoffs and how people are, they use players, how their stuff looks and so on. So I'm not, you know, I'll watch just by myself, but I'm not going to have a notepad or things like that or exchange text. I think the big thing for us is just going to be the way things are looking. You know, we have to plan for, are we getting on a plane tomorrow and going to travel or are we ultimately going to be home? So I'm just going to watch as a fan tonight more than anything else. And one game is not going to ultimately change our entire prep and things like that. If there's anything that, that comes up. And also the other thing is it's game five elimination, all hands on, on deck. I don't necessarily know that you can take a ton away that this is how, how whatever happens tonight, whoever gets used that you can really take something away for how a series would go at, at the start of it. So you kind of throw out game planning and things like that. Like just, from our st- our standpoint, Tyler Matzik and Luke Jackson threw four out of five games because game four for us, we did not want to go back to Milwaukee. We did not want to face Burns. Um, and we were just going to try to do what we could to win that game. And whatever everyone was available, um, we were going to be very aggressive in that game. And if we got to game five, we would, we would deal with it then. But I just, I think I've just learned over time. You, I don't think you play for tomorrow in the playoffs. You just worry about that night's game. And, you know, you deal with the fallout afterwards and deal with the following day. When you were general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, they made the postseason for the first time uh, in about about two decades. Uh, And then you come to the Braves and obviously the the Braves have had a lot of success with you as general manager. So asking to compare, uh, you know, championships, division championships, like asking someone to compare, you know, to compare their children, I'm sure. But was there uh, an extra, a different layer of satisfaction for you, given the fact that what on the morning of July 30th, you guys were 51 and 54. And since then you've gone 40 and 20, the way that this has all played out for you, is there some extra degree of satisfaction? Yeah, I think there's a, it's a, every year is unique, right? Just like you talked about. So um, the 2015 Toronto hadn't been in the postseason in 21 years and, 
um, the city just was on fire and it was just exciting the way we played and our run differential back then was really good. So we should have been, you know, our expected wins were significantly higher and we thought we had a really good club and obviously things worked out. We won the L East and at the time there, it just felt like this impossible hill to climb. It's one thing to make the postseason, but to win the division is really tough, especially you feel like winning the L.E.s felt like a real achievement accomplishment because of the GMs and the team we're going up against. You know, then you get to Atlanta. I didn't know what to expect my first year. Um, they had obviously been in a rebuild. They had stuck to it, which is a big deal. Uh, but they had lost 90 games, I think, three years in a row. or been below 500 for four. Um, and 2018, we make the playoffs. Didn't have any expectations. We get bounced. 2019, we thought we had a good team. We liked the way we lined up against the Cardinals, and we lost as, as well. And then, obviously, last year, we finally broke through and won a playoff round. And you know, that was the narrative in Atlanta. If the Braves ever get back to the playoffs, they haven't advanced. And I didn't realize this until just the other day in the office. Someone mentioned it. The Atlanta Braves had not gone to a CS in Atlanta, at least so since 2001. So this will be the first CS game. And I, I was surprised because, just like you said, the Braves have had so much success you just associated them with success, but it was a narrative around town of not being able to get past the first round. So I'm certainly proud of that, that we've been able to do it two years in a row now. Um, but just like you said, what's gone on for us during the year, with all the challenges and the issues. And look, I understand every club goes, goes through, through them. Um, it just feels like this was definitely the most uh, turbulent, if you want to put it that way, year since I've been a GM. It's my 10th year. Um, and to finally come out on, on top with all that, uh, it's definitely gratifying and rewarding because, you know, candidly, I didn't realize this at the time, but I may have taken getting in the playoffs for granted a little bit. And I, I'm, I'm almost ashamed to say it. I didn't view it that, that way. But I think when you start realizing during the summer, look, this is a grind, this is tough. And you start thinking about being out of it in the month of August and September and how awful that feeling is. And just, um, it just, it makes for a long off season and so on you realize how much you do enjoy it and you appreciate getting to the playoffs and how, what it does for the employees of the organization, obviously the fans and the community in the city, but it's a really big deal. And I, I vowed to myself that I would never take it for granted again. So I'm trying to really in, in, enjoy the entire thing. So I think as time goes on, when you see teams go back to the postseason uh, repeatedly, that that experience really becomes a weapon uh, and clubhouse culture, I think, is, an, is, a, is a weapon. You and I have talked about this, about clubhouse culture. You, the perception of the Braves is they have an extraordinary, you guys have an extraordinary clubhouse culture. Tell me about where you think that comes from uh, and who are uh, in your clubhouse, who are guys who are at the absolute center of that? Yeah, so one, I don't want to take anything away from the manager and the coaches and all the support staff. And that support staff all the way down to the people that take care of the families. That, that's all part of it. So there's no doubt about it that that plays a key role in it at the same time. And this is just my opinion and I don't know if I'm right or wrong. It's just what I believe. I believe people make the culture, right? And that's a credit to the staff, but the players as well. And it took me a long time to realize that. And maybe it's a fallacy and maybe it's just, we've had talented clubs and we are going to make the playoffs, but my first four years as a GM, five years as a GM, we didn't make, make the playoffs. And I don't know that I, I don't believe when I look back now, I truly understood what clubhouse culture meant. I truly understood what it meant to build a team rather than a collection of players. Now I remember I was thinking, okay, I'm a young GM. This is probably just from lack of having played or being in clubhouses. Um, okay. We need a good clubhouse guy. We're going to go sign Mark DeRosa 
as a 25th man, we'll get Henry Blanco as, and that that's it. Okay. We check the box. We have two good guys in the clubhouse. That'll, that's it. We're all set. And it just, it doesn't work that way. And after 2014, um, I, I vowed and committed myself to, I'm going to be relentless with who we bring in clubhouse culture, the people, the makeup, everything. And it's hard because it's like the forbidden fruit. You want to grab that talented player that you know doesn't necessarily fit your values and what you want to do and what you're about, but you know you might get him on a good contract. Uh, you might not have to uh, have to give up a whole lot in trade. And they're talented and they're productive and their stats will be there. And there were times throughout that 2015 season that we almost did it and I stuck to it, stuck to it. And we finally won and we won a lot of games. And the vibe in the clubhouse was great. And I ultimately believe that when you have that, does it guarantee you're going to win a ton of games? No, because you ultimately need talent. But I do believe that when things aren't going well, that prevents the roof from basically caving in. And, you know, I just think you need to flood the clubhouse, not with one or two guys, the DeRosas and the Blancos. You need to flood with 23 of 25, 24 of 26. Maybe you can have one or two guys that are a little bit on, on the edge if you have a really strong group. But, um, and I've, I've stuck to that ever since 20, 2015 and I haven't changed and I'm scared to change it because it's, it's, it's worked and maybe I have it wrong. And maybe it's just the fact that we have really good players, but um, I feel really good about every person in that clubhouse. They're all good people. They work hard. They enjoy being around each other. And I feel it when I go down to the clubhouse as, as a GM and I had the opposite when I go down there and I'm like, you know what? I don't really necessarily love this group. I don't really, I don't really enjoy being down here. And I haven't had that in a long time. Well, as I say, it, uh, it definitely you can feel it's a weapon. I know from my conversations with some of your players, Brian Snitker, they, they enjoy the group too. Alex, uh, enjoy the game with your wife tonight, and uh, good luck in the NLCS. All right, guys. Really glad to be on. Bleacher Tweets. Already, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a game five Thursday. And I have a, a life question for you real quick, Buster. So as I said yesterday, my pants split right before I was about to uh, perform that ceremony and, and go into rev mode there. It was very stressful. I emailed this company about the suit uh, demanding my money back. They said, oh, we'll give you a 50% refund. Should I continue pursuing the full refund or should I be happy with the 50% refund they've, they've No, offered? pursue the full refund. And I also, and I know you well enough to know this, is that you are you are relatively low maintenance. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and you should make that point that you don't complain. Uh, yeah. I've done that. I, I don't complain. I'm not a complainer. I don't go to restaurants and send meals back. And, you know, uh, this is a little bit off. Uh, and so when I feel like that you have an aggrieved situation, then you hit it hard. And I don't know if there's a more grieved situation with your suit than having your pants split. Although I do wonder, you know, if they might now let me, were you fitted for this ahead of time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Put the measurements. Then it's on them. Then it's totally on them. Yep. It fit. It wasn't tight or anything. All right. I will pursue the, uh, the refund and I'll let everyone know how it goes. Let's go to stat Stroh's at Stroh's stat, right? Some discussions about strategy often focus on chess match between managers, but aren't strategic decisions made by hitters and pitchers during the game and even adjustments made mid at bat more impactful and uh, stat Stroh's throws out Correa's adjustment versus Rodon's elevated fastball. 100%. Now, look, they're, they're, your point is well taken. They're, they're really important decisions happening on two parallel planes. You get the managers making their choices 
And then you see in the dugout, the conversations between the hitters, the conversations between the the catcher and the pitcher after an inning, and they talk about those adjustments. Um, They're both uh, incredibly important set of decisions that are being made in real time. Last one for today, Nick Tanza at The Real Tanza writes in, your discussion about Alex Cora's postseason record in elimination games got me thinking about what historical manager you'd take to win a postseason elimination game. My money is on Bochi. What say you, Buster? Nick, I totally agree with you. I, you know, in the years that I've covered baseball, I don't think anybody operated a bullpen better than Bruce Bochi did. Uh, it was like watching a conductor of a symphony in the, the, the timing of when he got relievers up, how he used them, picking the right matchups. I'll always believe that Boach, you know, has a unique understanding of how relievers are being deployed. And let's face it, in the postseason, that's a really big deal, which brings us back to what I said yesterday. Why would the Padres not talk to him at least to have a conversation? I don't get it. They could talk to him and then say, nope, we're going to go with somebody else. But, geez, you got to talk to him. Got to do your due diligence. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. While you're watching that game five tonight, enjoy everyone. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's it for today. My thanks to Alex Anthopoulos, to Sarah Langs, and to Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.